This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Everybody, that's no good. I fucking hate starting podcasts. I should just start. I should just start like uh, I'm having a conversation with myself. That's the most awkward thing is there's just nobody in here. So I'm looking into uh, like an empty wall when I'm talking. But I should just start it in the middle of me talking like a fucking insane person having a conversation with himself. And you just walk in on the middle of it. Uh, Today's guest is Gabriel Rutledge. He's. Uh, the best comedian in the Pacific Northwest. He is um, the host, co-host of the Rutledge's podcast. He's writing a book right now. He's a great comedian and a, a buddy of mine. And he went to film a special. And we talked about that because comedy's different right now. And we talked about the ways that it's different. Uh, it's, it's, I honestly, like I've had a lot of great experiences. I feel pretty lucky because I've heard these like kind of horror stories about these venues that are partially full. I will say the first night that I did stand up in the pandemic in front of a live audience, uh, it was a Tacoma comedy club. And they were at 35% capacity. And it was like kind of, well, first off, I wasn't incredibly sharp with my material, but it was almost like audience members, as much as I forgot my material, audience members forgot how to be audience members also. I heard people say like, they're so hungry for entertainment. And like my experience the first night out was not that. It was like, oh, they're so forgiving. They're so happy to be, I didn't have that experience. I had, uh, they think I'm mediocre and they're probably giving me more credit than they should. That was my experience. But Gabe is, uh, Gabe is not mediocre. Gabe is, I would argue, one of the best comics working that is not famous. Uh, he has an album called Good Luck in Court. I did some audio work on that, and he and I, we had conversations. By the way, this is one that I think you should go pay for the Patreon, because, so the Kevin Dombrowski episode, the part that you will get is before the podcast, we talked about a specific New York comic that I find compelling, if not slightly frightening, and in this episode... There's stuff after that I think is really interesting for the full-length interview. If you want uh, to hear the full-length interview with Gabriel Rutledge, go to the Patreon. Uh, I don't even know if I've set up the tiers yet or not. If I have, that's probably like in the second tier, but everything's affordable. And if you really can't afford it, uh, let me know. I'll just fucking send it to you. It's like one, three, and five dollars, I think, are the tiers. Um, Or it's five dollars. But still, if it's five bucks and you can't afford it, let me know. I'll send you the audio file. Um, I'm just trying to make more than a couple bucks a month doing this podcast. I'd do it for free. I mean, I've basically like anybody that thinks that uh, anybody that gets real pissy about 
making money doing podcasts can't like podcast that podcasting that much because at least not as much as me this is how much i like podcasting as i have lost money over the last like five years overall doing podcasts and some of you out there might think i deserve to have lost money and i'm not here to disagree with you uh please enjoy this conversation with gabe and i'll talk to you a little bit more about the goings-on of the world has anything happened in the world recently I'll talk to you about that after, but for now, just enjoy Gabriel Rutledge. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Is this uh, your daughter's bedroom? No. Okay. This, this is uh, the internet seems to get worse every week, and so I keep moving closer <laughs> to the source. I'll, ev- I'll eventually be in the Xfinity parking lot where I. F- <laughs> but no, I'm in the bed. This is my bedroom. I got a nice gold, almost like a like a Johnny Carson '70s showbiz curtain. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I wasn't gonna necessarily make fun of it because it's your home decor, and I didn't know if uh, you were responsible for it. If it w- if I was sure it was you, I would definitely make fun of it. But I don't want to offend any family members of yours. Yeah, it looks. I'm, I mean, it's kind of a grandma look. Do you know what I mean? Like, go to grandma's house. I don't know how we ended up with this. Uh, it's somewhere between grandma and, like, I mean, this goes with the Johnny Carson thing, but, like, the first stand-up comedy club in the history of stand-up right. comedy. <laughs> yeah, I should I should also mention uh, for your, uh, you know, your, uh, what's it called? Special viewers, people who pay money. Patreon. Oh, Patreon, yeah. Uh, the thousands, the army. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sh- shout out to the McLean army out there. Uh, I, I, I was at the eye doctor earlier, right? And I, I got my eyes dilated. So I don't know if I look insane right now, but I definitely, <laughs> I definitely can't see that well. Uh, That's good, especially up close. It was like uh, it was hard to just even log on. I was just, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I thought it would have worn off by now, but no, it's going pretty well. Still, that's funny because I think that the definition isn't good enough that we would like I could tell that your pupils were dilated. (laughs) But now I'm just wondering if you took mushrooms earlier today. (laughs) You're just trying to. Officer, I was just at the eye doctor. (laughs) You you wear contacts, right? Yeah. And I'm actually I'm wearing some right now. Uh, and then Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. It's, you know, I'm 46, which I thought was too young to to say what I'm about to say, but I feel like I don't want to go to any doctor anymore because they just tell you what's wrong. You know what I mean? It's like I was fine before I went <sighs> in, which sounds like I'm yeah. 70, mm-hmm. but it's it's like 
you know, he literally, it's almost like an old Brian Regan bit where he's like, you got a little bit of cataracts. Anyone ever told, <laughs> anyone ever told you that? And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, he's like, well, that's a little more than maybe you should have for your age. And then he, and then, I'm like, and then he's like, I mean, it's, it's nothing to lose sleep over. I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> that's not up to you. <laughs> can I, can I tell you my dad, uh, my dad called me the other day or texted me and said, this is a bad phone, a bad thing to get from a parent. Uh, he goes, Hey man, are you awake and able to call? And I'm like, Fuck. Oh no. Yeah. Grandma died. Uh, she didn't. He called me because he is getting cataract surgery actually, uh, imminently. Like it actually, it got postponed, uh, today, but it's like, as soon as he can get it, he's going to get it. And his girlfriend, uh, it started out that she could only drive him for, you have to get in two surgeries. Uh, so he has to get, she, she couldn't drive him for one. So I was going to drive him for one. And then she, uh, has a suspicious cold now. So they're isolating from each other. Oh boy. So now I was like, I was going to drive him to both. Uh, and then it got postponed. So who knows what's going to happen, but I just thought I should tell you that and then tell you that he's, uh, 65 years old. Yeah, I guess I'm on my way. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I had a, the the first ever cataract surgery that I knew about. My grandpa, his dad, had it, and I watched the surgery because that was – my grandpa watched C-SPAN all day. That's all he watched is C-SPAN. So the most entertaining thing available on video at their house was his cataract surgery on video. <laughs> You're like, put on the tape again. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite movie. This uh, uh. Senate hearing on whatever is not cutting it. <clears throat> also, he told me, uh, well, I'm trying out, because he's like, do you use reading glasses? And I was like, no. And then he's like, well, you you should. I'm like, what do you mean I should? <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't I know? So now he gave me these contacts where one's like for better close up and one's for better far away. And so I, I, I don't know what I feel insane right now. And he also said, look, I'm 46. And he goes, do you have trouble driving at night? I'm like, you know what? No, I don't. I don't have trouble driving at night. In fact, outside of like long haul truck drivers, you probably drive more at night than almost anybody in the world. I know. I was just like, oh, my God, man. Uh, That's funny. When did you start? Uh, when did you get? Uh, glasses or contacts for the first. Oh, fourth grade, fourth grade. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. that's funny. I I got them when I was uh, twenty one, no twenty three. I probably needed them at eighteen, but you know, at that age, you're like, sure, you never go to the doctor at all. <laughs> yeah, I got them. I got the test uh, the first time I visited my wife in like a romantic capacity. Was the day that I got they like dropped the shit in your eyes? Yeah, and. Uh, and then, like, the next week, I had contacts for the first... No, oh, no, you know what? I think they sent me with contacts. Like, you get, like, one pair yeah. at the time you do the test or whatever. So it was the first time I had seen clearly in, uh, like, at least five years. And I drove over I-90, over the over Snoqualmie Pass. And I was like, these mountains have been in two dimensions my whole last five fucking yeah. years. Yeah, it's a whole new world, man. It, I remember that in fourth grade, especially. I remember, like... You know, because I would 
I'd play sports, like even at like mm-hmm. recess and stuff. And it's all the, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can sure see that ball a lot better now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the impetus for it because I was playing adult baseball and they were like, they were like, we can tell you know, like the direction the ball's going. You're reacting very quickly. I was much thinner back then, I want to tell you. Uh, you're reacting very quickly, but you don't seem to know how deep the ball is coming. Like, we can tell you used to play outfield uh, well, but I don't, th- I think you might be a danger to yourself out there. And so, like, they were like, literally, my, my, and they're like, you know, when you like are playing for a school, I guess they probably are insured. But like the Puget Sound Senior Baseball League isn't insured to have me get a concussion on the <laughs> field. Yeah, I got it. I got it right off the skull. I actually, I have the memory of I got new glasses in high school, and then like the depth perception was way off from what it was mm-hmm. before. And then I played basketball just like with my church youth group, and. I couldn't, I didn't know my death reception was off. So, but it was to the point where you're like, you know, it was like a free throw and I'm hitting off the top of the backboard. Like I'm just, (laughs) not that I'm like the world's best basketball player, but it was like, it was so embarrassing. I remember it and I'm talking about it right now. That game of (laughs) depth perception basketball I played. I'm going to (laughs) blame that. I'm going to blame, I've lost all basketball skills. I used to be like a pretty good shooter. I remember one time I was in my front yard and I shot 200 free throws and made 186 of them. Wow. Is that? No, 168 of them, I think. Still, decent decent amount. Yeah. made a lot of them. And then, like, as an adult, dude, I have nothing. And uh, I'm going to blame it on depth perception. <laughs> yes, that's what – you're not used to your new prescription. That's what the problem is. I remember – I felt taller when I got them, which doesn't make sense because they should be magnifying stuff. Yeah. I was looking at my feet like, fuck, I'm like a giant. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I've, I remember all those things. I remember uh, in grade school, I remember watching birds fly by. And, like, I knew they were birds before. But I'm like, oh, there's, like, I can see their eyeballs. I can see their, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> it's not just a blur of, you know. My big thing, too, was I'd be like, oh, shit, I can read street signs before I've passed the street sign. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man, I actually do. I'm like long overdue. I hate going to the doctor and then all this stuff about how this is like uh, this whole COVID goes into your eyeballs has like freaked me out about you got to have some 60 year old man three inches away from your face. Yeah, he was close. But he he I mean, he did have a mask and I had a mask. But, you know, yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big doctor attendee anyway. So uh I was just talking to my wife about that yesterday. We need to be adults about, you know, when you have a kid, you start to think about how much longer you have to live. Like, I have yeah. to live for a long time. Otherwise, yes. things are going to be worse for her. <clears throat> as soon as you make life, you're fascinated with death for sure. You're just, um, you, you can't stop thinking about the end game and how many years you have and what they're going to be, you know, it's what happens. I had this, this is like a super morbid thought, but I remember when. A a couple years ago, on I think uh, Highway 410, a uh, construction crew dropped a like a median off the side of a bridge, and it landed on a truck and killed a husband, wife, and child. And I remember then being like, "Oh my god, that's so tragic!" 
and now I'm like, at least it killed all of them. <laughs> because I mean, I know that's that's fucking no, horrible. No, I know, I know, I know. But I'm like, at least like that dude. I just imagine being that dude, and his wife and daughter die, and he survives. <clears throat> For sure. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. I. I uh... There's not a great scenario. I mean, I guess the best we can all hope for is quietly in our sleep at 97. (laughs) But we say, I say that at 46. I might not say that at 91. At 91, I could be like, you know, this is too long. (laughs) I'm six years late. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I can't even drive at night anymore. This is terrible. Uh, We should talk about Utah. Huh? What's that? Utah, Utah. I, never, uh, I don't know what you're I, talking about. I actually almost said Utah, and then tried to think of the state that Utah was a city in. Because uh, I'm first off, just so tired. And uh, sure, but uh, you were in Utah. Did you find alcohol in Utah? There's there is alcohol in Utah, right? The the rules have changed, and al- al- uh, the alcohol rules have changed in Utah since the last time I was there. But I didn't I didn't try this time. But I saw a liquor store, which I don't remember seeing before. But mm. they have but it, they have all kinds of weird things like the like you can only have if you go to a bar you used to have to be a member. Oh wow! Uh, I don't think that's true anymore. They can only serve you three shots an hour. <laughs> uh, there's a thing where you're not. It's a pretty to... good pace, still. By the it's way, it's not bad. I, I mean, I I might slip a bartender an extra five to keep me going at that pace. You know, what I mean? <laughs> hey, Utah rules tonight, please. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> there was even you you had to mix drinks behind a curtain almost. Like <laughs> I don't know, like so Jesus couldn't see, or I don't I don't know what it was, but it was like ta da! You know, here's your. <laughs> Is that like so you you don't know how to make it at home? Like, we don't want you to know how to do this. (laughs) That's exactly right. And then the the beer was like 3.2 beer. But they've had a lot of changes recently, but I don't really know uh, what they are. I also went to a strip club in Utah. This is 100 years ago. And uh, uh, I'm sure all those girls are, you know mothers by now but <laughs> they're all but, 96 years old and wishing they died earlier <laughs> yeah, exactly but <clears throat> they would dance also so, it was so well lit which you don't want in a strip club i mean really well lit uh but they they had little uh tassily pasty things on and then like mm-hmm. you know bikini bottom so like no full nudity <gasps> they would dance around the song would end they would grab a bucket they would walk amongst the crowd and if you put money in the bucket, they would kiss you on the cheek. <laughs> this doesn't sound uh, unlike the comedy shows that we've been doing together recently. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually true. That's actually true. <laughs> uh, but no, I was in, uh, um, what is that city? Provo, home of BYU. That's where I was. Of course. I want to tell you a strip club story before we oh, talk please. about stand-up. There's a, there's a strip club in Ballard called Sands. That is still around. I cannot believe it. But I checked within like the last six months. I checked. Sorry. The last year. Six months sure. of life, which right. has occurred in the last year. Uh, and it's I, so I went there with my friend and his like kind of casual girlfriend that was like she was a lot more into him than he was into her. And uh, which is, I guess, why I came along as like the third wheel slash buffer or whatever. Yeah, not a great situation. No, nope. 
and uh, we go into this strip club, and there are two strippers working. It's if it was a bar, it would be a it would be small for a dive bar. Like it's so small inside. There's one stage, two strippers working, and so when one stripper needs a break, the other stripper just goes however long the other lady's on break. Or if she does right. like a private dance or whatever, she's just on stage for like seven straight songs. And the 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 woman who was on break, it was like her lunch or dinner break, and she had gotten food from a restaurant that must be like a lot of these strip clubs seem to get around the rules of mm-hmm. food and alcohol and strip in strip clubs by like having a bar that's basically just got a window through it to and so I remember it was so dead in there. There were so few people that the music died down between songs, and I heard this lady go, Hey Juan, how you make them potatoes? <laughs> Which is a little bit of a boner killer, I gotta say, in a uh, in a strip club environment. Um, yeah, I the last I haven't been to a strip club in a long in a long time. I kept trying to make it fun. I've only I've been less than five times in my life. I wanted it to be fun every time, and it never was. It never was. I went during Bridgetown back when that was a festival in Portland, a comedy festival. Mm-hmm. To the Acropolis, I think it's called. They're famous for their cheap steaks. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, and uh, it was so Portland, you know, super tattered up girls, you know, sort of suicide girl looking people. <laughs> uh, and uh, but middle of the day, no DJ, and they would they just picked their own songs, <laughs> and it it was like they plug their own iPod in. <laughs> yes, they literally. <laughs> And then they would go over and spin through and pick out, you know, like, and so, you know, I saw a woman get naked to Jolene by Dolly Parton. And I'm like, this is the worst hipster strip club I've ever been to. This is. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I went to one in Vancouver when I was, I haven't been to a strip club. And I actually was supposed to go to one of my bachelor party and I lost my phone. And we had like, you know, we were getting married. I had no money. We had no money because we had spent all of our money on this wedding. Sure. So I was freaking out about my phone the entire time that I would have otherwise been in the strip club, which is good because I'm like at a point in my life where I don't need to go to strip clubs. But when I was much younger, uh, long before I was dating my wife, we went to Vancouver, BC, and there's a hotel there or a strip club there called Hotel Cecil. It's probably gone. It's probably been shut down by the government, to be honest with you, because when we literally the the border crossing. They were like, what are you guys going to do in Canada? And we're like, probably just spend a lot of time at the Hotel Cecil. And the guy goes, oh, well, if you can't get laid at the Hotel Cecil, you can't get laid anywhere. And uh, <laughs> we went there at night, and it was fine. But then we went there during the day on, like, our second to last day there. It's the only time I've ever been to a strip club during the day. And I remember they didn't have enough women. They had three stages. Didn't have enough women to constantly have one on stage. Each woman that was on stage would do like three songs and would it would take all three songs to get her clothes off. And then because they were short staffed, they would play like one seven minute segment of the show Punked. <laughs> Remember that show? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so it would be like there'd be like a like the the noon shift strip stripper followed by Ashton Kutcher ruining a celebrity's day. Yeah. Uh, really strange. Uh, but, I mean, good time overall. Okay, so you're in Provo, Utah. Uh, yeah. For just to – were you 
looking at like putting in college applications for your kids or yeah all, all, <laughs> sure although my son is not religious he uh oddly is so i think it'd be perfect for him <laughs> <laughs> he has he has he has those morals even though uh i didn't give them to him uh no <laughs> uh maybe if they were in state but <laughs> we're really focusing in state uh if not in city, but uh, in your community, one might <laughs> yeah, say exactly. <laughs> Ten minute bus ride or so. Uh, that's where you're going to college, son. We can keep an eye on you. I was doing a uh, dry bar comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where they they tape it. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I, look at the the off chance it, one of the dry bar comedy team is one of your patreon members uh i will say they are a tremendous company they make mm-hmm. super high quality specials that could be on any platform and look amazing and uh i think they really know what they were doing i just you know they it's a socially distant restrictive rules now mm-hmm. and uh and so what you normally was a a sold out room of 300 people with a balcony and everything now it ended up being about 35 people a show sitting apart at tables and most of them wearing masks and so i guess my my i just had the thought the whole time i was there like oh this doesn't work mhm you know it's not about like how funny was I or how it's just like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't working. <laughs> like just this, I know they were mic'd, but yeah. just the sound of sort of muffled 35 people laughing. It's like, well, that, that's especially in the context of if that clip came up next to one of their other clips of a 300 yeah. person sold out show. I just, I have trouble imagining it, uh, being something I'm going to love, but, Maybe I'll have faith in them, and maybe they can uh, use some magic of editing and and make it better. It's possible it'll turn out okay, but I definitely left that. I left, um, uh, like, just like fuck. That was terrible. That was not the experience I was looking for. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see. It it uh, also the um <laughs> the first show, which I guess was the good one. Uh, about 10 minutes in, my mic went out. Um, <laughs> and... Is that why, by the way, you have a you have a picture of you sitting on a stage? Is that from when the mic was out? No, that was actually, we had to do, uh, because it's an app also, there's a dry bar comedy app. And I guess yeah. you, can, you have to ask for, people can tip. And so you have to give like a oh, little talk if you want to tip me or whatever. So that was what that was from. But, uh... I actually thought I heard the mic cut out a couple real brief seconds, but I don't want to. I'm not going to stop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what I'm hearing, and then it just went out in the middle of a joke, kind of the start of a joke, and then um, so I just stopped and I was like, oh, I guess we need a new mic, or I don't know what's going on. And then they, I don't know why, but it t- <laughs> it took like ten minutes to find a new mic. <laughs> And but my the mic I had would come in and out, so it was working some. And then the crowd would be like, "Just keep going," and I'm like, "I don't want to keep going because it's going to go out again." When well, you're recording it, and yes. the only way it's going to get onto the onto the video is if it goes into the microphone. That's exactly right. And but 
what I told them, what I told Drybar after the whole thing was over is I was like, I'm, I think you should leave a lot of that in. Yeah. Because it was, it, it, I mean, call the special technical difficulties or something, but like it, it actually was kind of funny because, uh, you know, it just, it, like I just said, you know, cause I'm thinking, I know, you know, the journey of my dry bar thing, but it's yeah. like, I turned it down twice. I finally sort of tucked my tail between my legs after I watched all my friends and colleagues prosper from it. And I'm like, hey, is that offer still good? I got back in. That got canceled because of Corona. I'm finally back. It's 35 people with masks on. And then the fucking <laughs> microphone goes out. So, like, all this is going through my head. And so I just, I mean, I, you, may, you may have heard me say a similar line to this, like, at a different show. But I was like, you know, it's like, it's coronavirus. You're wearing masks. There's uh, the, the microphone. Like, if there was a final class in comedy college, I feel like I'm taking it and failing it right now, you know. <laughs> so it's actually, it, and then right before I finally got the mic back, a new mic. And then uh, they said from the sound booth, they go, they just go, pick up wherever you feel comfortable. And I go, I think that was yesterday. <laughs> And then I like went into the back into the show and like that last 15 minutes was like the best of any of the times. So I, if, if they do, if they do decide to put something out, I kind of hope they leave a little of that in. Um, especially because when I went back into the joke that I had stopped on, they started clapping and that's going to look really weird out of context, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's funny. And yeah, when and when you say prospered, like I looked it up, Andy Woodhull has six million views on his full special. Yeah, uh, some of those clips. I mean, uh, two like uh, friends of ours, Andrew Rivers, Corey Michaelis, have combined like tens of millions of views. Yeah, on clips. I know, uh, I know the person that you referenced on your podcast who made like several thousand dollars a quarter uh from the clips the revenue from the clips and then you were like how many days away from filming i think a couple weeks i was a couple weeks away um from it was like yeah because you were supposed to do a show that i booked you on on like march 29th uh at yeah, that Essence Lounge in Tacoma. It was and I be think I first... was be. I think I was coming back from Utah to do that show. Yeah, I think that's a, the schedule was. Um, so yeah, it's it goes from because <laughs> look, I also know people who tape specials that didn't come out for Dry Bar. Yeah. I know people who put stuff out, and by the standards of you and I putting our own clip out, it's done very well. But by dry bar standards, 300,000 views or something, not crazy, you know? Right. So it's not like it's a guarantee that you're going to get all these views. But I went from thinking, okay, you know, I've seen what this can do for a lot of my peers and stuff. And like I said, there's some very funny people who've done it. But there's also, you know, just to be totally honest, there's also some people who aren't amazing Mm-hmm. <laughs> who have gotten millions and millions of views. So part of me is like, well, they're going to fucking love mine. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if this guy, which is, by the way, the the entire stand-up comedy uh, uh, brain 
can be summed up by I suck, but I know I'm better than that guy. That's all of us. Do you know what I mean? That's what's yeah, that's going true. through our brain all the time. But it went from that to wait. If millions of people watch this, that could be really bad for me. Like I've never, I've never, I've never been in a position in my career to like have something that other people didn't think I deserved. Do you know what I mean? Like how <laughs> how that guy get? And it's not like I bombed, but again, I just don't know how it's gonna look and sound. I know it'll look great, but I don't know how it's yeah. gonna sound. And so that bothered me more than. The thought of like it does come out and it's just not good mm-hmm. is like, oh man, that's worse than never doing it. <laughs> exposure yeah. for a thing, exposure for something you don't want to be exposed, you know, is uh, is really that night what I was thinking about where I'm like, I don't, you know, and obviously it'll probably be better than I think it is because I'm always gonna, I've never done anything where I was like, perfect, nailed it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it it. I don't know. We'll see. I don't. Maybe they won't even put it out. Maybe they. It's really. It's really hard to get a um, a pause. A, a a realistic read from the the staff because they're yeah. young and uh, <laughs> relentlessly optimistic. So it's like, hey, just is this? You know, I was asking people. I'm like, do you think this is gonna work? I mean. We could sell 50 seats, but only 35 people showed up. They're wearing masks. It doesn't sound great. Is this even good? Oh, yeah. We just talked to this. Everything's positive, positive, positive. You know, I was getting yeah. I was getting things like difficult circumstances, but you made the best of it. And I'm like, that's not a special. That's yeah, not. That's, that's like not, when somebody comes up to you after a show and they're like, I just admire anyone with the bravery to do that. You know what I mean? Like that, That's not the compliment yes. I was looking for. Yeah, I don't I don't want the my dry bar special to be difficult circumstances but he made the best of it. Do you know what I mean? It's just like that's not I mean, as you know, it it's harder to turn a shitty show into a mediocre one than it is to turn a good show into a great one. Mm-hmm. I I do believe that. But I don't it's not a uh it's not like some sort of uh skills test i mean it's not like a a a teaching video where i'm saying like look how (laughs) difficult this crowd was but i turned it into something pretty good it's like i don't so i'm i'm uh i'm better than i was i'm a little off the ledge that i (laughs) from a couple days ago but it's still it's like it's just it's just comedy man it's just I, i you know i'm writing a book this year and i i wrote I wrote a line I wrote in my book that I that like I'm still thinking about that I wrote is stand up comedy is 200 nights of joy a year that still leads to a uh, it still leads to like a a, a disappointing year. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like 200 nights of just like this is the greatest thing. This is so. But then the accumulative effect at the end of the year, you're like, ah, fuck, man. It didn't just didn't it didn't work out the way I want. You know what I mean? It's like That's funny. I and, uh I had a moment by the way on you recorded on Friday or Saturday? Friday. So I had a moment where I was like I don't I don't know what the time zone difference is and uh I was like I'm a because you've been a very good friend to me over this pandemic. You've allowed me to come to these backyard shows 
and perform without putting any effort in on my end. I didn't even normally in that situation, I'd even like bring a PA or something. Right. And I've literally just shown I've never like in those circumstances been just the guy showing up, not even with a microphone, just using your equipment. Like I so it's been so fun and so easy. And then that day I was like, oh fuck. I didn't send him like a good luck or anything like that. And oh, then I- when you told me the story, I was like, it's my fault. Like, it was my <laughs> fault. <laughs> well, I felt I did feel like a bad friend, uh, but yeah. N- look, I when like I said, when this thing, if it comes out, there's a chance I'm going to look at it and be like, oh, why was I so freaked out? It's fine. Yeah. But it is it's one of those things where. You know, you say to people, hey, I'm doing dry bar. And, mm-hmm. and and like many things before at dry bar comedy turned into a question people would ask you after you ever done a dry bar like people who don't even do comedy you know what i mean or like if yeah. you do do comedy it's like how come you haven't done a dry bar and it's like a thing people talk about it and so it was like you know i posted a a thing that i was going and people are like you're gonna kill it you're gonna crush it just being positive nice people and so you know and then at the end of the night where you're like you know when the messages are Again, nothing against anyone who, you know, how to go or whatever. That's the same thing I would say to someone. And then it's like, you. I feel like I have to tell everyone, not good, not, <laughs> wasn't great. You know what I mean? So it's like, in a weird way, it feels like I'm, I'm letting down people's expectations of me. You know what I mean? I bet you crushed it. I'm like, mm, not, I'm difficult circumstances, but I... <laughs> I was, you know. though, I was also like, I didn't have any doubt in my mind that it went well because, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell a story, I guess, to the crowd, the audience here, the, the army of patrons, uh, that I'm sure, well, I know you were there, so you probably remember it, but, uh, I've probably said it to you before also, which is you and I went and did a wild horse casino in Pendleton, Oregon. Sure. And uh, it's like you walk in. It's one of those ones that fools you because you walk into the show showroom and you're like, this is going to be fucking great. And they have 75 <laughs> microphones and the best sound yeah. system at any comedy show I've ever been at. What, the green room sucks because it's just backstage. Uh, but you're looking at it like they have $150,000 worth of sound equipment back here. There is no way they're going to half-ass the show. And then, like, they don't sell tickets, which is fine. But the, like, all the people that come to see comedy, when they show up to the show, the first four rows of seats are filled with people who just happen to be eating and drinking there before the show started. The games are still on. They're smoking in there. Uh, the MC seems like a very nice guy. And, uh, but he told me, he's like, if you do less than 27 minutes, you have to bring Gabe up. And if you do more than 32 minutes, you have to bring Gabe up because oh, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. going to be here. He goes out and his emceeing is like, he literally just goes, uh, are there any birthdays in the audience? And people are like, woo! And he's like, okay, happy birthday. Any anniversaries in the audience? Woo! Happy anniversary. Okay, your first comedian of the night is like, uh, it's just like he riled him up. Prime them to be involved in the show. I go up. uh, You told me, by the way, in advance that all openers bomb, which if that was a lie, it was the nicest lie you've ever told me. Not a lie. Uh, 
uh, I bombed. The only real laugh I got, it was like, I'm dealing with hecklers. I'm nervous. It's my probably my first time. It's definitely my first time doing 30 minutes on the road. It's uh, probably my first time doing 30 outside of like the Seattle Tacoma area. Maybe I think I'd like Bothell is as far north as my 30 had traveled. It wasn't going well in Pendleton, Oregon. Yeah. Um, not that it would have done great anywhere at that point. And this guy, I had a joke about condoms. Or, or I said condom in a joke. I actually still have the joke. And the guy goes, uh, what's a condom? And I go, it's uh, it's what I wish your parents would have used. Oh, that's solid. It's the only laugh I think I got the whole fucking 30 minutes other than that. <laughs> and I went, I was like, fuck, this, is, this was so bad, but Gabe told me it was going to be like this. You know, you have these silly ideas in your mind of you're like, well, I'm – I'm good, so what's going to happen with when I go is like, yeah, the opener always bombs, but I'm going to yeah. turn it around. I'm going to change the course of comedy tonight, and it didn't happen for me. And then you went up, and I would say for like the first two minutes, it wasn't going great. And I was like, thank fucking God, because yeah. I know Gabe is good, and if he's struggling, there's no way I should have expected myself to do well in the same situation. And then from two to four minutes, I could feel the energy in the room shifting and the attention was suddenly moving to the stage instead of the conversations going on and the TVs where there's games playing and the cigarettes and the prostitutes. Uh, and by four minutes in, you're like killing. And I was like, well, I fucking should not continue to do comedy. Like this is fucking stupid that I'm even here. And so in my mind, I've told that story to a lot of people, by the way. So in my mind, there's like, there's no show that you're going to do bad on. Because that's the worst situation I've ever been in still, probably. Well, yeah. And and I still I still wouldn't say I did bad at, at mm-hmm. this taping. But it is, that's kind of the unfortunate, um, that's just the unfortunate thing about uh, taping something just one moment in time. Even mm-hmm. when you take coronavirus restrictions out of it and all that, it it's it's you know I came back, I flew back on uh, on Saturday and I had a, a backyard show, and it was you know I did like an hour and fifteen and it was so fun and I'm doing all these riffs and it's just fun and people are drunk and it's like and I, and it's just that's first of all that's never going to be a special. It's never mm-hmm. going to feel the special. you know. It, it's never going to yeah but it, it's it's one of those things where like uh that's kind of my thing is i don't have bad shows that's right. kind of <laughs> that's kind of my rep and so it's that's why and again it wasn't not, sorry if those guys are listening to the mc bombed the first comic mm-hmm. bombed the second comic bombed i did pretty good it just doesn't it doesn't I don't think it's going to sound that good under the circumstances, but it's like, so I'm not saying I like ate shit, but it is one of those things where like, if I got to look through the year, even this year and pick a show that I would like to be recorded for posterity, man, it wasn't that one. Not at all. Well, that's kind of the experience. It's funny because it's the very, you know, you had such a smooth time recording an album (laughs) that this one, (laughs) (laughs) I know, uh, (laughs) 
I think it's, we probably talked about it the last time you were on, but you had a uh, multiple attempts to record your album. Um, and ultimately I think that the one that got put out was good. It was a good show, but I think even like the ones that I heard, it wasn't the best crowd and, uh, environment situation yeah, for, for sure. it. Um, I mean, a great club, Spokane Comedy Club. Let's not disparage them. No, the, not at all. Yeah. But, you know, big room, whatever. The Hecklers one, I wanted so badly for the Hecklers one. Hecklers in Victoria. Like, that was, that sounded to me like a classic, like a, like, that's a fucking yeah. skanks for the memories level of audience. Like, super on top of you, loud, rowdy in, like, the right way, like, in a way that makes it feel like, you're sitting in a comedy club listening to it. But yeah, and it's, I didn't get, I got something I'm fine with, but again, it's not the, you know, it's, it's, it's not what I would have picked perhaps, but again, it's, it's fine. It's, it's good even, not mm-hmm. even fine. But it, but you know, you mentioned Skanks uh, for the memories, Dave Attell, who I'm like a giant Dave Attell fan. I'm a big fan. And, you know, he had a special that sucked. <laughs> Which one is that? The the roadwork one? It's something. No, I loved roadwork. Okay, uh, it was one. I've heard him talk in interviews. He did it in a theater, and he's like, "I'll never do a theater special again." And it was. I don't know. He kept talking about Jaeger. I can't. Captain something's in the name. Captain. Well, I can. I can look this up. But this is... again, I'm not saying it's a terrible special. But like the crowd was not good. Right. Do you know what I mean? So it's like that is something we just kind of have to live with. I just. Don't have the body of work that he does. <laughs> Captain Miserable. Captain Miserable. It's not, again, if you watch it, you're not going to be like, it's terrible, but like, it's not great. And he didn't yeah. like it either. You know, you could tell he didn't like it. He was talking shit to the crowd in his special. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, that's the, the reason we get nervous is because we know something could go wrong. And then, yeah. it, you know, it, it is one of those things where it's like, um, you know, now that I'm a couple days away from it, I'm like, what, you know, first of all, probably not going to be bad as I think if it even comes out. And also like, that's the, we're all on the ride. We don't know. There's mm-hmm. so many people who've, uh, you know, Sebastian Manikowski, I can't say his Maniscalco. name. Thank you. He, he <laughs> did it tonight. He did a tonight show and froze and they stopped taping. Oh, whoa. And then I think they started over. And like, then he got through it or whatever. The, uh, Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show, like, wow, you know, uh, Rob Delaney, who's mostly famous for Twitter, and uh, there's a show he does, like an English show that's actually pretty funny. He but, lives in England now, right? Yeah, he does. But he had a Jimmy Kimmel set that it's legendary for its badness. Like it, he ate so much shit. For Isn't it, it was, like wiped from the internet? You can't find it. You can't even find it. Like it, it was so. He told a story because I did see it before it got wiped, and he it was like a story, but a six minute story. But they yeah. didn't buy in in the beginning, and he had five more minutes to go. And it just, I mean, it was almost like that old, you know, where you adjust your tie and you're sweaty, like oh, hey, whoa. <laughs> and it, you know, and I think he's a funny guy. I don't know a bunch about him, but it is, it is that always is possible. It things don't always go well. You know what I mean? So it's like. You know, I don't think it's if it comes out, it'll be at that level. But it's like, yeah, 
it's uh it's it's just one of those things I'm gonna have to live with if I don't if I don't love it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously you'll get like clips and stuff out of it that'll be good regardless. I think so. I I was watching. We were watching the Masked Singer, um, and they were showing the way that I was interested I, to see how I they gotta, would do. Th- I gotta. Look. I'm so sorry. I gotta let my cat out. He's yelling. Oh, that's fine. Oh, hold that's on. Fine. It's a it's a good time to tell you that uh, Anchor. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Go to Anchor.fm. Go to oh no. Go to Patreon.com/slash the Casey McLean. And uh, sign up to be a patron. You'll get this full interview. All right. Gabe is back. Hello. I had a, when I first started podcasting, my cat was heard on many episodes of the podcast. We lived in a very large one bedroom apartment and my wife would go into the bedroom when I podcasted. This is a nice wife, by the way, that would just leave the, the, the common area so that we could podcast. Um, what was I saying? Oh, that you'll get clips, uh, all that stuff. Oh, Masked Singer. Yeah. Uh, I was curious how they would film it because they don't have anybody in the audience either. And normally it's like a full crowd. And uh, that's I'm also like when I'm watching it, I'm not a big fan of the show. My wife really loves it. So I'm what I'm gaining out of it is like video production instruction, basically. Sure, sure. Uh, but they were just they were interweaving like obviously cl- clips of people from last year. And crowd noise from last year. And honestly, like the fact that you knew it was empty made you go like, oh, that's uh, that's weird. But it wasn't that weird. Like if you just in yeah. five years, if you watched it and you weren't aware that it was 2020, you might not even notice that. I'm that... I'm I uh, maybe this because it's a Mormon company, but I'm praying they do that, Casey. Uh, I am. Uh, if they sweeten it, please do. You know what I mean? <laughs> they could literally show crowds from different specials, like you were talking about. You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think they will, but I mean that's you know, I I heard an old old interview with Jeff Foxworthy where he did uh Evening at the Improv mm. and there was like four people in the crowd and a bartender and he's like, Are we still doing the show? Are we canceling? And they're just like, Do your jokes, pause like you're getting laughs. And it's and it was like nothing. It was just like it looked like a normal show, and he was doing well. A lot of so, close-up shots of Jeff Foxworthy, yeah, or, and then probably different crowds or whatever, you know. Yeah. So I don't, I you know, I'm I'm hoping they pep it up a little bit. Uh, but I also, um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the only thing I would kind of be excited about is is if they did show the mic going out. I think that would yeah. be like a unique thing. Um, have you ever watched Mitch Hedberg's unedited uh, Comedy Central Presents half hour? Is this? Does he lay down on the stage? He does. I think I've it's, seen it before. He, yeah. he does fifty minutes, forty-five minutes, and the reason he does so long is like the first ten, he's not doing well. Like he's just like not doing well, and then he slowly, slowly gets him. And then mm-hmm. I think he even he even closes with like I love you guys and he's like sitting on the steps like you said that little thing, but it was like it's interesting to like, uh, but you wouldn't that's the unedited version. No one saw that right. till years later. I mean, there is a lot of bullshit smoke and mirrors that can do whatever you want, you know. Uh, so man, I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for uh, you know, just 
old canned TV laughter from I Love Lucy. Just ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be funny. I uh, does it make you? Because I, I kind of am of this mind now, where it's like just film everything, and you never know which show is going to be the show. Yeah, I actually talked to uh, uh, Robert Hawkins several years ago because I did. I had the worst night of stand-up in my life when Robert Hawkins was headlining Tacoma Comedy Club because they called me and they were like, hey, he, he wants to record an album. Can you come record an album for him? And I did. And I was also like, well, shit, I have all the recording equipment set up. I'm going to film. I have this new material that's kicking ass. I'm going to film it. And this might be the first clip I put on the internet. And I went up. First off, I had seen someone go up. I was there the whole weekend. So I had seen someone go up the night before and do a seven-minute guest spot. And so when I asked him if I could do a guest spot, uh, I just assumed that's what he wanted, seven-minute guest spots. So uh, to start out with, I bombed. Like, first joke, first line, bombs, never recover. It was like a very dark joke. I think it was a, a joke about shaking babies, which sure. I, I've since learned maybe put a little further into the set. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Maybe don't open <laughs> on the shaking babies joke. But, uh, and like, you know, probably a Robert Hawkins crowd isn't the necessary. I, mean, I don't even know if it was Robert Hawkins, like, sell tickets that way. Or is this just like a, a garden variety probably, comedy yeah. club audience, right? Like, this isn't, they certainly weren't Casey McClain fans. I can tell you that. Right. And especially not after that night. So I bomb. <laughs> I bombed so hard and I had already been emceeing at the club and like doing all right. Uh, I bombed so hard. And then I found out that he got mad at me because I was on stage for too long and started yelling at the manager because I was on stage for too long. Yeah. And then, and also like probably not so bad to be on stage that long if I wasn't bombing my ass off. Uh, and then he comes up to me after, and it's still like, I'm going to be there two more nights to record his album. So yeah. I can see that he's mad, but I watch him do this calculus in his head where he's like, I got to at least be like kind of nice to this guy. Uh, and so he goes, uh, guest set is five minutes. No matter where you are, it's always five minutes. I don't give a shit. And, it, and then he realized he was being a dick, and he goes... You know, because, like, what if you're preparing for, like, a Fallon? And I'm like, there's no way you think I'm ever going to be preparing for a Fallon. <laughs> and then he ends it by going, you just got to get five good minutes, man. Just just get five good minutes and you'll be all right in comedy. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I've put it, like, given him such a bad impression that it's like, almost as though he thinks this is the first time I've ever done comedy was before him on his show. But the way he explained the way that he records albums, which I think is interesting, is he just records, gets like someone in every city to record album quality audio. And then at the end of the year, he's like, well, what were the best shows of the year? Or yeah. even like, what? I think he even takes notes. Like this joke, the best it did was Tacoma in November. And it's his albums will be like a compilation of several shows, uh, which I don't know if that's necessarily what I think. But like, I think recording every show in high quality means that like, you know, your, your album could be any night. Theoretically. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think, especially as the technology gets better and better and easier and easier. Yeah. Um, and that's also becoming true with video even, you know? Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, but it's also, there is also something that, uh, 
you know, no matter what comes out, <clears throat> whether you've been doing it almost 20 years like me or what are you, five? Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's never every video, every whatever. You're like, ah, I, I don't normally do that joke that way. You know what I mean? Why did I? Mm-hmm. There's just always some little bullshit that hopefully no one else would notice or, you know, so part of, part of doing this is like, always being a little disappointed in your final product, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it is, it's, um, yeah, I do think that, uh, I don't think I've ever done the album that was a top five show of the year. That's so discouraging. (laughs) Because, you know, especially the early ones, it would be, you know, I'm paying someone to come in for this specific weekend, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and so it was like, well, it's got to be this weekend, you know, and they're all fine, but it's yeah. not, it's not, um, but I'm sure that that's how people feel about their Netflix specials a lot of times, you know, yeah, and it's, you know, the reason I don't announce when I'm recording something is is even because of that reason. It's like there's a certain there's a weirdness to a crowd yeah. when, when they think it's almost like they're nervous for you or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a weirdness to that. And I just, if you don't know that that recording's going to be put out, you have a certain looseness that you wouldn't normally, have. you know, so I am, I am, uh, uh, even at the dry bar thing, I probably would have done crowd work after a couple of minutes to like, all right, these guys need to loosen up a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. but that it's a taping. And I'm like, this is my set. I must. Yeah. You know. Well, that's like on, a, on your album. The, it starts with a lady offering you popcorn, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, want those, I want those moments in. I don't want, uh, you know, I don't want, you know, I mean, it can go bad too, but I still, uh, I don't, I don't want the, uh, if you say I'm recording, everyone shut the fuck up. Those things aren't going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess so. I I know that I've uh, I think I've taken more of your time than uh, you promised me. So thank you. Don't don't make me go out there, Casey. Don't <laughs> don't make me face my family. <laughs> you got your break from them, and that's it, Gabe. Uh, I would like, before you say what you're going to say. I'm going to say something because you have told two stories about you eating shit so far on this podcast. Okay. <laughs> you have been doing these these outdoor shows with me that have been so fucking fun and yeah. totally rejuvenated my love for comedy. Yeah, me too. And you were fucking murdering these shows. Like well, thank you. You're walking into a backyard next to a hot tub under an awning and <laughs> using the karaoke machine my wife got six years ago. <laughs> And you're just walking out and smoking these people. They're giving you money. You weren't even on the I know. show. You I know. know. I'm a. I. I. They've been so fun. I'm giving a lot of credit to the audiences. Uh, they've been very fun audiences. Um, but yeah, I. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. I do think that if this had not happened, and I had been doing comedy straight through this. There's maybe something I've gained from missing it a lot. That uh, like. Because I, I feel like the loosest I've ever felt on stage because it's like, I don't even know my jokes right now. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so like yeah, I, yeah. I can't be mad if someone talks because they might be saving me more than yes. they're hurting the show. Right, right. I've had a couple times where I'm like, well, there's like three minutes of this joke that I don't remember how to get into or even how it goes. 
and then someone will say something and I'm like, cause that's like the funnest is especially like, uh, in those, those specific situations where somebody there, I mean, of course, everyone's from the same household, right? That's, I think the legal yes, requirements. Absolutely. absolutely. So everybody is from, there's a 60 year old black dude and a 31 year old <laughs> Latina lady and a 20 year old white kid, all from the same household. So, we're uh, all in uh, we're all in God's family, Casey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but these are all people that like know one person. So you're like kind of it's and it, it's I assume I've never actually done a corporate gig, but I kind of thought they would be a little bit like corporate gigs because you're walking into someone's house and like who really wants to hear me talk about eating ass or whatever in their right. backyard. And I guess like even when it's going like if it goes badly on a, it's just so fun. I guess is all I would say. That's all, all I really have to say is they've the crowds have been so fun. The crap, the the households, the individual families have been so fun, and also by the way, like pretty good about the social distancing stuff. Yeah, for sure. People are people are trying. People are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe the safest thing would be to not do it. But other than that, they're trying to do. Uh, you know, and I actually thought they would be like corporate shows too and then I, a couple of them in i realized oh these people all know me from doing comedy that's yeah. the reason they they know what they're getting do you know what i mean it's like it's not some weird sales conference it's you know so that yeah that's they've been point. uh they've been a lot more fun than i thought they would be and uh like i said to you like even i mean hopefully by next summer we'll be in a better place with coronavirus but i'm like i might do this again next summer Mm-hmm. You know, well, if you could swing it on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, there's no reason not to, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. And absolutely. I, I, I even think that like I've gotten a couple, like I've added a couple tags. You know, that was when I first started doing the Zoom shows. It was like, oh, finally something that's worth writing for. And then like, God, it's just so hard to do. It's just so hard to write for those shows. And it's also like at the time, it's August, and it's or not even August. It's like early july and it's a thousand degrees in the podcast room here and i'm putting on pants that don't fit anymore <laughs> for the first time in four months and i'm you know tr i'm trying to like it's like a whole thing I, at first i was like trying to make it be like i'm on a stand-up stage i'm standing with a microphone here's a mic stand and like one i don't even think the crowds care about that but two it's like dude i mean putting a mic stand and a mic I have a lot of equipment and it's still like a pain in the ass to do. And then, and then, uh, yeah, man. And then like when I was doing them in front of audiences of basically comedy club staff that have all heard my same jokes yeah, 40 yeah. times, I did a show where literally I go, listen, it's a fucking pandemic. I can quit comedy and nobody's going to know you guys got to start laughing because <laughs> they're like the, the, it was just going so badly and like, I just know that I know every single person with their mic on and I've seen, yep. I know that they've seen me do these jokes at least 15 times yeah. and I'm always surprised at how much the staff of comedy clubs actually remember jokes. I had, um, if you remember Tony from Tacoma comedy club, uh, he's not there anymore, but yeah, I was doing it. I did a joke two times ever and I was like explaining the joke to somebody and i was like yeah i think it was i don't really remember how it went but it was like you know this is the conclusion he's like oh no this is how it went you said this 
and this and this and this and I was like, yeah. this, he literally remembers a joke I did twice, once at an o- like twice in open mics, and remembers it better than I remember it. Like, so yeah, I get it. Like, and also they're stressed out because they don't have jobs at the time. Yeah, uh, you know their life is difficult, and it's not. They get the part of their job that they probably like the least, which is listening to. A fucking yeah, exactly. middle do comedy, right? It, it might as well be the sound of the shake machine. <laughs> do you know, it's just their work background noise. Blah blah blah. Laugh. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the I mean the the backyard shows have been truly like some of the most fun I've ever had doing comedy. Uh, yeah, they they've been a, and same uh, like same like I'm writing things. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's a new bit. Oh, I got to work on that. Like that hasn't really happened since March. I had a few Zoom bits, you know. (laughs) But it's, uh, so that that part's been cool. And uh, I'm actually, I got a bunch of road shit coming up, so I'll be out there with my face mask on. But, but, yeah, but isn't that cool, though, when people remember your bits? I mean, isn't that kind of, uh, I mean, I remember when I was uh, in high school, people would do John Panette. Do you know John Panette? He died. Oh, kind of. Well, he was a large man? Yes, he was a very uh, large okay. man, and he had a bit that you probably wouldn't do today, but it was about <laughs> it was about going to the the Chinese buffet, and he's sitting there eating all day, and then the, the I'm quoting here, everybody, uh, <laughs> you know, the like the owner comes out and he's like, you be here for an hour, you go now. Like, that was the big, okay, I never even heard the bit, but I knew that. Mm-hmm. From everyone else, anytime you went to a restaurant or a buffet or whatever, I mean, excuse the racism of the early 90s. I apologize. But like <laughs> it, it's but so I'm not it's the racism part aside. The idea that like a bit, a comedy bit that you wrote would impact people to the point where they're like quoting it and remembering it. And so mm-hmm. I do anytime you get that in a small way, even if it's like, oh, I used to love that joke you did or and, you know, they're if they're telling it to people, they're doing it wrong or whatever. But who cares? Uh, it's it's uh, that is cool to me. That's like a really even uh, I can't remember her name, but Monica Nevy's girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Uh, Aaron. She, yeah. She used to work at the Tacoma Comedy Club. And one time she had me. I didn't do I hadn't done the bit in years, but. Her and another com, her and another uh, guy who used to work there. They would say to each other time. She had me do it into the phone so she could send it to him. And I'd be like, <laughs> and and the line was, "Who brought the hummus? It is fantastic." And that that was just like one line from like just talking about how boring adult parties are, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was just like even that, like three years after I stopped doing the joke, I'm like, "You remember that? You still talk about it with your friend? <laughs> That's awesome, you know." Yeah, that is cool. I've, uh, I've, I, I guess like probably has not happened to me very often. I do though, like I have this experience right now where, uh, we're not allowed to speak his name, but Louis CK has written like the best baby shit jokes. Like you're, yeah. just, there's no baby shit. There's no angle of baby shit that I yeah. can do a joke better than his. And I will literally, I just am wiping my daughter thinking of Louis C.K.'s jokes. Uh-huh. Uh, because what, what originally happened was I rewrote them in my mind. And then I was like, oh, no, that's a Louis C.K. joke. That's exactly a Louis yeah. C.K. joke. And then now I'm just like, fuck, this is, like, I thought I, I, I related to this back then. 
And now yeah. this is exactly my life. You know? Um Yeah, that's absolutely uh at, you should hear his masturbation jokes. Hilarious, <laughs> hilarious stuff. Uh, I've I've got look, I used to watch Everybody Loves Raymond. I still mm-hmm. I barely watch it, but I would watch it and I'd be like, I guess it's okay. And then like you know, you get married and you're like, it's a little funnier. Mm-hmm. And then you have kids and you're like, this is a pretty good show. This is a pretty solid. <laughs> this is a pretty solid show. <laughs> we're uh, we're rewatching The Sopranos right now. So good. Yeah, and it's like you again, like the being obsessed with death thing. You're like, how the fuck is he living this life? Like, no wonder he's in therapy. And also, how come they're not all in therapy? <laughs> like, the, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I am a great comedian in backyards. That's the, yes, <laughs> that's really my, you know, Dave Attell best for a comedy club, right? Like right. Sebastian Maniscalco, maybe, uh, Fallon, not right. But a theater in Chicago, that's his Perfect. area for me, a backyard in federal way where people <laughs> are smoking cigarettes on the adjacent deck. That is my, and there's, right. by the way, the air is is they said it's like smoking nine cigarettes in a day, just being out in the air at that time. That is my sweet spot. Are you t- you talking about Casey McClain, the outdoor comic, <laughs> the wildfire comic? <laughs> yeah, he's great. he's great. Saw him indoors once though, not the same. Something weird. Something <laughs> something about being able to see him clearly from fifteen feet away and being able to breathe well really takes some of the charm away yeah. from that guy. He's he's only funny when you can use the guest bathroom. <laughs> That's really when he shines. <laughs> and uh, my favorite part of that day was. Uh, I was like, I had bought a brisket before the, I smoked it this weekend and I, uh, I bought it before the wildfires and then there was a burn ban and I have actually was stressing out about the burn ban, which by the way, I broke the law on also, Oh boy! but we showed up to this show and the guy had smoked three briskets and nine racks of ribs while the air quality was fucking hazardous. <laughs> Like, how much oh, yeah. smoke is this guy taking in? Uh, very I, s- sweet guy, but I thought no one would show up. I kept checking <laughs> in, like, are you? Is this show happening? He's like, oh, it was for. I think everyone came. It was going to come to his back deck. I don't people know if he's going to fit that many more people in safely. Like every table no. was was at like appropriate capacity, right? No, and it was that was a fun. That was a really fun one. That was. uh I also yeah. wonder, somebody took our picture at the end of it. I thought they were going to take a picture with them in it, in the picture. Oh, and then it was yeah. just, they took our picture. And I've been wondering <laughs> oh, where yeah. this picture went. Like, because there was a young dude that took it. Yeah. And I was like, is this, this has to be on social media somewhere, but where? Like, why did he just take this picture of us in masks standing by the <laughs> fucking utensils at this house? Like, we're standing by the plastic utensils. Uh, uh- I always wonder about where those pictures go. Just like people after a show who take a picture and then like, you know, a month later, they're like, what was, who was that? <laughs> what was his name? <laughs> or even their friends are like, who's this? What's this? Who, who's this guy? You know, like he's funny. I, I forget his name. He was funny though. <laughs> oh my God. That's the, you know, that gives me no faith in my ability to ever have a career in comedy is when I'm like people, when, when people find out I do comedy, they're like, oh, I love comedy. Uh, I went to a show at Tacoma Comedy Club last year, and I'm like, oh, cool, who'd you see? 
They're like, don't yeah. remember. Or they're like the Super Troopers guys. And I'm like, you don't even, those guys are famous <laughs> and you bought tickets to see them and you don't even know their fucking names. Like they're just the Super Troopers guys to you. No, it's, uh, that's, it's a very, I mean, you can do all right and be nameless. It's, uh, <laughs> but it, yeah, it is, it is definitely one of those things where like the, the amount of fame you have to have to be person on the street knows who you are is like so, it's like 10 people. You know, I mean, it's, it's preposterous almost. It's like Kevin Hart, Amy Schumer type stuff, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I had, I was actually, I'm going to ask you a question, but then I want to talk to you about something else after, because I think a funny thing about that is, uh, were you nervous before? Did you, did you sleep well the night before the, because I'm a, I'm a bad, like if I'm anticipating something, I don't sleep well the night before. How are you this far into comedy? I did. Okay. I, I, I didn't, I wasn't nervous. Like I was going to screw up. Mm -hmm. I guess I wasn't as nervous as I should have been in hindsight, but (laughs) Uh, it's definitely like, I just kept going over the set of, you know, the 25 minute set I was supposed to do. And, um, but no, I wasn't, uh, it's more anticipatory, like, all right, let's just do this. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, that makes me not sleep sometimes too, but like, I actually did okay the night I came in a night early and, you know, that's good. Yeah. So the thing that I want to talk to you about, I was going to initially uh, talk to you about how much you paid in taxes last year, um, because we found out uh, big time tax information. Uh, and then what I've realized is that I don't need the IRS to dig too far into my comedy taxes. So uh, so I'm going to... I'll just say this, Casey. I'm just going to say this. I don't identify with Donald Trump a lot, <laughs> but recently I learned we have more in common than I thought. <laughs> all right that was gabriel rutledge make sure you listen to his podcast uh the rutledges with his wife christy rutledge buy his book happiness isn't funny gabe and i as of right now will be at the lounge at the end of the universe Boise, Idaho's new comedy club, December 4th and 5th, just announced, um, hot off the presses, within maybe an hour of recording this podcast, did, uh, did I find out that that's what we'd be doing. So, uh, very fun. Come on out if you live in Boise, Idaho, or Nampa, or Payette, Payette, Payette. Idaho listeners, come on out. So the presidential debate was today. And I originally went in going, I watched a couple of the debates in, uh, like, I mean, by a couple, I mean, like, I watched parts of a couple of the debates in 2016. And I just, I, I don't think they're helping anybody. I don't think they're winning anyone elections. I don't think they're losing anyone elections. The debates, just like the Electoral College and so many things that are built into our political system, are remnants of a time when we didn't have the internet, when we didn't have live streaming video, uh, when we didn't have a post office that could, could 
you know, get something across the country in a day. You could overnight something in a day. And the debates just seem like this antiquated bullshit that I don't understand why they're... That's the same thing with, like, by the way, uh, I think why primaries are several different days, why there's, like like, a fucking concert tour of primaries, because they didn't used to be able to show the primary on every TV in the country. But I genuinely don't understand why we have to have months of primaries. I would like it to get to a point where the president isn't campaigning for three and a half years of his presidency. And this isn't, it's not even a partisan knock. Like that's, yes, Trump has done that, but so did Obama and so did Bush. Like, the campaign's trail has to end at some point, and it can't just be when we've elected the guy to a second term. Like, and he's no longer eligible to return. Uh, if you watch the debate and you have a sense of humor and you can go dark enough to to set aside for a second that there are pretty dire consequences of what we saw Tuesday night, if you're not listening to this uh, live. It's so goddamn funny. Trump and Biden, it's so insane that these are the two candidates. That a country where the average age is like 36 years old has these two guys in their mid to late 70s vying poorly to be the rep the primary representative of this country to represent the people and neither of them by the way uh i saw chris wallace getting a lot of shit chris wallace was the moderator he got a lot of shit on twitter for not being a strong enough moderator but one what is he supposed to do Short of having a mute button on a microphone, short of being able to pull someone off stage like the fucking Apollo, what is he supposed to do to stop Trump and Biden from interrupting each other? And they both, by the way, I mean, I guess I'll clear it up front. I prefer Biden to Trump. Um, But... They both avoided answering the questions that were being asked. You could call it tactful. You could call it whatever. Uh, they both were challenged on things, I think, rightfully, that they stepped, they sidestepped also. So, like, Biden, uh, Biden, they, tr- Trump tried to goad him into saying law and order for some reason. That's really important to Trump that Biden won't say law and order because he's made it a rallying cry on Twitter. He did get Biden and say what you will. I mean, Biden did say he doesn't support the green new deal and he doesn't support defunding the police. And then Trump was asked to, he basically goes, you name a group, you name a group of white supremacists and I will condemn them. And they were like, okay, the proud boys, which I mean, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know enough about the Proud Boys. Uh, 
I don't know that they would be the folks. They're just the most famous. I think there's plenty of worse groups than than them. Not to say that that makes them good. But Trump goes, <laughs> he said, stand down and stand by. Which isn't the, that's not a condem- condemnation. That's words of a leader giving instructions, isn't it? He's so fucking crazy, that guy. He's, uh, there were some funny, there were funny moments. There was one moment where Biden was uh, debating something and he said first, and then Trump interrupted a bunch and Biden started to make another point and then Trump interrupted a bunch and then he goes third and Trump offhand just goes you're actually on number two (laughs) which was funny they went below each other's belts uh it's it's embarrassing if you were not i tweeted this if you were not by the way follow me on twitter if you're not because the the hot uh non-committal jokes that i was making on twitter were worth a couple of them were worth it so a lot of them were not probably but if you were not invested in the fate of this country it's fucking hilarious it's it's insane that we've reached this point where there's two nearly 80 year olds there's 160 years of it i think there is 150 years of state of age on that stage uh at one point i think trump said that that biden had been a politician for like 160 years which is a really funny joke by the way uh, if you weren't invested in this country, it's so goddamn funny. It's two, it's two old coots. These guys are, uh, it's a, it's a shock. It's amazing that this is the best we have to offer from either party. I don't know. I mean, honestly, what I'm most worried about is... It doesn't matter who wins this election. Like we are facing pretty severe unrest after this election, I believe. Like it doesn't seem like liberals or conservatives are going to accept the results widely. And so if Trump wins, I'm sure we'll see more of what we've seen so far in the pandemic, which is these demonstrations that some of them get violent and destructive. Um, and I don't think it'll be different if Trump, if there's, if Trump doesn't bow out gracefully. And at this point, like I can't even imagine him bowing out gracefully. Uh, by the way, what Gabe and I talked about that's on the Patreon, we talked a bunch about, uh, Trump's taxes and some Twitter polls that we saw that suggest that certain comedians, fans, or maybe a little more Trump leaning uh than that comedian would have expected. But it's just hard to imagine. I, I was thinking about this because this this tax thing was such I was so prepared for the tax thing to be just a complete I hate this phrase. I've wanted to tweet this and I just can't my I can't bring myself to tweet this phrase which is uh it appears that the only nothing burger from 2016 is what Trump paid in taxes because it seemed like every every journalist with big glasses frames and a 
and a dumb haircut was saying nothing burger left and right. And uh, I hated it. I don't like it. Nothing burger. It's uh, my friend says douche waffle and douche canoe. Have you heard these people that say this? The, the thing about a douche bag is it's actually part of the douching process. Douche waffle, douche canoe. Uh, also, the the bag part isn't the dirty part of that. You're not cleaning it up in any way. I don't like, I don't like, I saw also a white lady on NBC say that something was a hot mess. I don't like white, white ladies, uh, not be, we need to shame these white ladies out of trying to use hip hop phrases that are created by people. Hot mess is like, that's a young person phrase. And if I, uh, let's, let's look at the, can we, uh, I, so not only do we need urban dictionary, but we need like urban etymology, etymology, that's for names, but hot mess origin. Oh, no, hot mess was a meal people ate, but where, let's see, where did I, uh... Now there's Amy Schumer. The the article that I found is Amy Schumer weighing in on a uh, on a uh, hot mess, which isn't helping anyone's cause. I don't like I don't like this shit where the I saw a clip of a of a pundit saying that this was a it started with a hot mess. This is a hot mess uh, on top of a dumpster fire on top of and then it's just like a list of teenager superlative hashtags. It's it's speech for people who aren't creative. It's attempting to be hipper and more marketable than you actually are, which is how we end up, by the way, with a 70 goddamn five-year-old presidential candidate against the 70, what, eight-year-old presidential candidate? How old is Donald Trump? Is he 75? Did I nail this? He's 74. And uh, and Biden, I think, is 78. Joe Biden. 77. I was off by a year on both. Although Biden is approaching his 78th birthday. I don't like the debates uh, from a... I don't, wa- I've, I don't normally watch the debates. I watched part of it today because I was... Uh, my wife... I was using the bathroom. My my wife turned it on and then I was cooking and she started talking to her mom on the phone and turned it off. And I thought that was going to be the end of our debate viewership. And as it turns out, we ended up watching the rest of the end of it. And uh, a fun thing is laughing at the same part, us both laughing at the debate. By the way, if you think the debate was only funny from one side then you have a bias. Like, both these guys are fucking buffoons. And I'm not... I don't want to... You should vote. I'm not telling you not to vote. Because, honestly, like, I think... uh, Through incompetence, Trump hasn't been... I would argue that uh, he hasn't... He has not been the worst president in the history of America. I don't think he's been good. I don't think he ranks highly. I don't think he's upper half. Um... If you value things like uh, the lives of Iraqi civilians or 
Uh, well, we don't need to get into it all, but my point is, uh, my wife and I laughed at the same shit, and that was nice. It was a nice heartwarming moment to be like, oh, these old fucking guys are buffoons, and we agree at the same time uh, the thing that's funny. By the way, the thing I'm referencing is uh, Trump, there's been, sixty, I believe, 65,000 less Iraqi civilian deaths in Trump's first four years than in Obama's last four years in office. And uh, I'm not, I don't know what the cause is necessarily. I'm not drawing a straight line between who is president and those people dying. But I think there's a lot of people in the Middle East that don't hate him as much as you'd expect. In fact, I don't know if it was on the, if it, I think it was on the Patreon. Gabe talked about going to Pakistan and some of the people in Pakistan actually like Trump. Um, I mean, I think a lot because he's not bombing their fucking region constantly. Is there anything funny to talk about? Um, the Seattle Seahawks are three and oh, that's the only, I watched like six innings of Mariners baseball this year. That's the least, obviously I've watched, I think genuinely when I was, uh, one year old or less than one year old, I was in the kingdom for entire games of Mariners baseball. I consumed less baseball this year than ever, which is true for a lot of people, but I, I mean, this is a Mariners team that was like, it was pretty unlikely they had a shot at the playoffs despite there being an expanded playoffs. And I don't think a ton of compelling guys on the roster and it's over. Baseball's over. We're into the playoffs now. The 48 teams that made the playoffs. And uh, I don't know how much I'm going to watch. I guess I got to get MLB TV or something like that. Or see what... I have a YouTube TV. This is what this podcast has come down to. is me explaining my subscription services. We don't need to do that. Uh... What's the dude's name on the Cowboys? The Seahawks beat the Cowboys just barely. Uh, Tristan Hill is a defensive tackle for the Cowboys, and he basically sprained Chris Carson's knee. And from a Seahawks perspective, I'm not. I'm of the mind that running backs don't matter. If you've heard that on uh, on Twitter, and you wonder who's who believes that bullshit? I'm one of those people. From a Seahawks season success perspective, I don't think that Chris Carson is as valuable and as vital to it. But from a human perspective, injuring another person in your truck, it'd be like if I, and by the way, this is why people get pissed off when comedians come after other comedians for jokes. This is the same thing is when a comedian's telling a joke, when a guy runs the ball and you intentionally injure him or you intentionally, in bad faith, interpret the joke to be a serious statement, you're injuring that person's knee slash career. This is why comedians, some comedians, are so defensive over comedians being canceled for jokes. Is because much like how... Tristan Hill 
intentionally injured Chris Carson for his team to win. That's the perception of what's going on in comedy. So, ah, I don't know. I just have to get this. Uh, this I I'm I had a lot of fun talking to Gabe. Uh, like many conversations with Gabe and I, we ended up talking for long after the microphones were off, which is uh, which was fun. But I feel like this this intro and outro, I just like have to get it done so that I can put the episode out. So if I gave it half effort, I'm sorry. It's probably going to be better next week, but I'm not going to promise anything. Uh, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. Tell a friend, a loved one, a coworker. Check out Gabe and I in Boise, Idaho. Uh, check out, I don't know, me on Instagram at the KC McLean, me on Twitter at the KC McLean. On Facebook, let me do comedy in your backyard. Not not that expensive. It won't be that expensive. And I'll drive a decent distance. I'll bring a PA. I'll bring a friend if you'd like me to, which now it sounds like I'm uh, trying to swing. I'm trying to... It's, it sounds like I'm trying to make love outside of my marriage, and I'm not trying to do that, but I would like to make you laugh in your backyard. So follow me, please. Um, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.